Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. So, I want you to imagine you're on a big ship, and you're, um, you look over, and you're saying, wow, those dolphins are beautiful, and you fall overboard, and you're trying to swim, and if you're anything like me, you can't swim very well. And the waves are overwhelming you, and someone throws out a, what do you call these things? Uh, some people call them lifesavers, some call them donuts or whatever. And you grab a hold of it, and you're floating, and you're so relieved. And you say, oh, thank you so much. I thought I was going to die. And then, while this is supporting you above water, you're just appreciating this, you decide to throw it off. And you go into your pocket, and you take out a Krispy Kreme donut. And you say, I prefer to use this. I know, I know. You're thinking, this is ridiculous. Why would somebody do something like that? Why, why would you go from a real lifesaver, something that's preserving you, to use something as ridiculous as a... I know, some of you are saying, I can do a better thing with a Krispy Kreme donut. I know exactly. With some nice hot coffee. and everything. But what you're thinking is, that's ridiculous. Why would somebody put aside something that saved their life. Sometimes people do that with Jesus too. Jesus saves them, preserves them, saves them from drowning, and they put him aside and say, I prefer to trust this thing for security instead of the Lord. Well, this is exactly what the people uh, were doing uh, in the New Testament, uh, when Paul writes to the Galatians, Paul is very, very disturbed that these people who were saved by grace would turn from Jesus and start depending on something else for security. They were deceived by some, some false teaching. And so what we want to do is take a look at this new series uh, in the book of Galatians, uh, How to Be a Fruitful Tree, sermon series in the book of Galatians, How to Be Fruitful. Once you get to chapter 5 of Galatians, you start to see things about being fruitful. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and then out of that comes joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are things that we all would like to have. Who doesn't want to have peace? Who doesn't want to have real love? Who doesn't want to have joy? Well, there's a way to be a fruitful tree, and there's a way not to be fruitful and have benefits and have blessings, the blessings of, of the Lord. So in the book of Galatians, we're going to take a look at that, but there's other scriptures that talk about us being like trees, believe it or not. Um, in, in, the, in the book of Jeremiah, 
it talks about that. Um, Psalm chapter 1 says that we'll be like trees planted by the rivers of water where we will bear fruit. I want to show you something before we look at Galatians. Look with me quickly in, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17 because this talks about fruits as well. Jeremiah chapter 17 beginning at verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. If you depart from the Lord, if you, if you push him aside and say, Lord, I don't want you anymore, and you start depending on yourself or someone else, there's a curse waiting for you. When you push Jesus to the side, you're inviting curses into your life. For he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes and shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. Verse 7, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Verse 8, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreads out her roots by the river. Here we go again. And shall not see when he comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be care and will not be careful in the year of drought. You don't have to worry, in other words, in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. It's an interesting book. Now, when I first studied Galatians, I was about 18 years old. I just started studying through a, a correspondence course from Moody Bible Institute. And they were talking about uh, the liberty and freedom that we could have in Christ, that was pretty much the theme in, in Galatians, the charter for Christian liberty. And then the Lord started to show me even some, some even deeper things about being fruitful and how Galatians will actually guide us into how to experience the fruits of the Spirit um, uh, in, in our lives, our brother and sister here, they were sharing with me that in India, there are many churches that focus on the gifts of the Spirit, but many don't focus enough on the fruits of the Spirit, and Jesus is the one who said, by their fruits, you will know them. You will know who they are. So let's go to Galatians. Let's look. Let's look at this together. Galatians chapter 1, some very important things for us to Observe here in Galatians chapter 1. Let's look at this. Let's look at this together. Galatians chapter 1. High was. High was. High. How was Galatians written? Oh, or maybe it should say why was. Okay, so the, the W is missing there, but that's okay. It's, ja it's Japanese, huh? High. Why was Japanese, why, why was Galatians written? So why was it? Try to ignore that. Okay, why? Here's the background. The Galatian church was started on Paul's first missionary journey. They learned about God's salvation by grace, but they began to embrace false teaching from Jewish teachers who taught that following the Jewish law was necessary for salvation. Okay, they started to believe some other teachings. 
That can happen in this culture. That can happen in the United States. That can happen in, in Europe. Where somebody will come and introduce another teaching. So we have to be careful. We have to stick with what the word of God says or we will end up not experiencing the fruit that God wants us to experience. We begin to be rooted and grounded in other things. Depending on anything other than Christ is not only an insult to the one who came to save us, but it leads us to a fruitless life where we miss out on the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about it. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. So the scripture talks about being fruitful in a number of different ways. God told uh, Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. The Bible also talks about the fruits of the spirit. I mentioned that already from Galatians chapter 5. But Proverbs 11 talks about souls, people coming to know the Lord as a result of your fruitful life. They see the fruits of the spirit in your life and God uses that to draw them to himself because they want to have that fruit. They want to have that joy as Paul and Silas were singing in the jail cell and the man said, wow, they have joy in the midst of their dark situation. What must I do to be saved? This is all the results of a fruitful life. This book shows us how to avoid a fruitless Christian life. Let's learn together. But going back up there, you see chapter 2, verse 21? How, is, how does this insult Jesus, look in chapter 2 of Galatians. Look at chapter 2, verse 21. It says something interesting. It says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Jesus is dead in vain. It's an insult. When we try to use something else or depend on something else for our salvation, for our joy, for our peace, it's an insult to the one who died for us. And so the people, these Galatians, they were turning their back on the one who died for them. And it really was perplexing to the Apostle Paul. For that reason, he's writing this book. He doesn't even start it off like the rest of the books. He has to cut right to the chase. They're insulting him. They think that he wasn't a real apostle and they're also turning away from the, the truth of God's word. Very unfortunate what was going on. What are some fruit killers? What are some things that can actually kill fruit, let's say even in a fruit tree? Well, let's look, look at this. One of the things is no sunlight. And isn't it interesting? The, the Bible is referred to as light. Uh, his word is a light onto our path, right? Lamp onto our, a lamp onto our feet, a light onto our path. So that's in, that's in the Bible. The, the, there's no fertile soil, nutrients. There's rocks and thorns. That can keep fruit from coming. By the way, Jesus refers to rocks and thorns hindering fruit, which has to do with persecution and the love of money. These things can keep fruit from coming into our lives. No annual pruning, pruning with, with moderation. There's pruning that takes place. Sometimes God needs to cut some things away and that's not even necessarily disciplining you that's just to make you more fruitful and get you to trust him more sometimes a lack of annual pruning with moderation can actually keep your life from becoming fruitful so when you say things like all I want is comfort I don't want anything uncomfortable in my life 
Now, what you're saying is you don't want to grow. You don't want to be fruitful because God has to do that sometimes because he loves us. No positioning of branches for air circulation. So if you notice, even these branches, it's almost like they're, they go this way. It's almost like 2 o'clock, 10 o'clock type of direction, right? Straight up, that won't work. Sometimes God has to position you in a certain way so that you can become more fruitful. Positioning. It's like, God, I don't like this position you're putting me in. I prefer this position. And the Lord's like, oh, you're going to be fruitful. You have to be in this position. And so people who grow trees, they actually take rope to actually make sure that the branches are positioned properly. And how many times does God want to position us? He may want to put you in a place and you say, but this is not comfortable, Lord. But you have to trust him. He's going to bring something beautiful out of it. Amen? Another thing, cold weather. Sometimes too much fruit can cause less fruit the following year. So there's something called a June drop, which is cutting all the fruit off of a branch except for one. So that it's another form of pruning, I guess. But when you see all this fruit coming down, it's like, oh, it doesn't make sense. It's like, Lord, why are you causing me to lose this? He knows what he's doing. There's a June drop process that is needed if you're going to have consistent fruit. Because let's say you have a whole lot of fruit one year, and you're like, wow, look at all of those oranges. Just know the next year, then, most likely you won't get much. And God doesn't want it to be that way. He wants you to have consistent fruit, not just a bunch one minute. And you, you run into people like that. Wow, she was so full of the spirits, or so full of joy, and she left her husband, and she doesn't go to church anymore? What happened to all that fruit that I used to see? Many Christians, many believers don't understand what is necessary to stay fruitful, and they start to depend, they become rooted and grounded in other things, and before you know it, that love, joy, and peace is no longer there. So we have to guard ourselves against this. Very, very important. Very important. Okay. Fungus or some animals, they can also cause problems. Now, Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Galatians chapter 1, 1 through 5. Here's something very interesting. There's, a, there's something that comes up several times. Let's see if you catch it in these verses. Paul, an apostle, not of men neither of men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Maybe you caught what kept coming up there. This is part of having a fruitful life too, believe it or not. But, but look at this. Paul was sent by the resurrected Lord to preach. Okay, he wanted everybody to know. This, what, I'm, what I preach to you folks in, in Galatia, by the way, this area is right in Turkey. And I was able to visit there in, in Turkey. And this is, this is exactly where he's writing to these people in that area, present day Turkey. 
And he's, he wants them to know, whatever lies you've heard about me, about not being a real apostle, he saw the resurrected Christ. He was on his way to persecute the church. You know the story. And he received this word from Jesus himself. He was preaching with Christ's authority. But look at this. Preaching without Christ's authority will not have fruit that lasts. So he wanted them to know, I was preaching. What I said to you, it wasn't something I made up. And we experience a relationship of grace and peace with a perfect father. Verses 1 through 4 mentions father three times. Isn't that interesting? Three times he says father. It comes up father, father. Why, 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 why is that so important? If you don't have a relationship with the Father, notice what Jesus says when, when he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, say, address him as our Father. If you don't have a healthy relationship with the perfect parent, the perfect Father, your life will not be fruitful. You won't have peace. There will always be something missing. You will always look for some sort of secure relationship, trusting in the flesh instead of your heavenly father. Then if you grew up, let's say you grew up with a, uh, maybe your dad was not on the scene, or if your father was on the scene, he was abusive, and you just didn't get along with them, or you didn't get along with mom, there's something in you that is, it's just crying out for an intimate relationship with a perfect parent. It's true. And if you don't have that, there's not a lot of fruit that will come out of your life. This is why he's pointing them. He's like, the Father. He brings it up three times within just these few verses. Depending on ourselves, instead of Christ, instead of the Lord, will always lead to false security and no peace. So this is why you see in Hollywood, these people, it looks like they have everything they need. They're not secure. No, they're not. Oh, I wish we could interview Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, are you secure? And if you study anything about him, bad relationship with his father. And then you're seeing this man who's looking more and more feminine. It's like, what is, what's wrong? Great music, a lot of money, no peace. And he died at the age of 50. My age. I'm 50 now. He died at the age of 50. Bad relationship with his earthly father. But people were sharing the gospel with him. They were sharing with him about Jesus, but he never accepted Christ. Very sad thing. Many people are walking around with no relationship, not experiencing the grace from a perfect father. Grace and peace is something that we can have from our Lord. And it's what a lot of people need, but they end up with fruitless lives, no real love, no joy, no peace, depending on themselves, false sense of security, because Christ gave himself for us. We have assurance of his love, so we will seek to glorify and praise him instead of taking credit for the blessings. That's why Ephesians chapter 2 says, for by grace we're saved through faith, not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. That little baby in the arms of the father, whatever 
he accomplishes. It's not because of him. He has to get his diapers changed. He can't do that on his own. He can't go and cook on his own. It's total dependence upon the daddy. That's the way we need to be. That is the beginning of a fruitful and blessed life when we have that intimate relationship. If you don't have that with God the Father, you need to come to God and say, I want to know you that way. I, I just, I know you're out there, but I don't know you as a close, intimate father. I want that. And you will have love, joy, and peace in your life like never before. Don't leave the truth. Look at verse 6 to 12. Look, look with me. Verse 6 to 12. Don't leave the truth. I marvel, he says, that you are so soon removed from him. You're, you're detaching yourself from God that called you into the grace of Christ onto another gospel? You're going from a real lifesaver to a Krispy Kreme donut to hold your float? What are you doing? He, he's, he's amazed that they would be deceived to go to another gospel. Look at verse 7, which is not another. It's really no gospel at all. But there be some that trouble you. There's some false teachers that are troubling you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But through, but though we, verse 8, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let's read down to verse 12. And we said, as we said before, look, he repeats it. So I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, then what we have, what you have received, let him be accursed. He repeats it. Verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be a servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Beware of false teachings that use Bible verses with wrong interpretation. Now, how do you know if somebody's trying to teach you something false to get you to believe something wrong about God? It's like a, it's like a, a method for math. Maybe you've seen this before. Addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. If somebody adds to the word of God, then it's not from God. Because in the book of Revelation, it says whoever adds or takes away, the plagues of this book will be added to that person. Anyone who adds to the word of God and says, yes, this is authority also, like Jehovah Witnesses do, the Mormons do it, the Muslims do it. Anything that's added, don't listen to it. Anything that's subtracted, like you take something out, You can use, a, it's, 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 it's right up there. Addition, if they subtract. Multiplication, like they have a, a, a like for example, a m multiple sources that they say is from God. So the Jehovah Witnesses will say, yes, you, this book, this book was written by Mr. Russell. This one was written, and this is all from God. Joseph Smith, he's written some things, and they say, well, that, so there's this multiple authorities instead of God's word being the authority. 
That's how you know it's false teaching. Divided loyalties. There's a church in this city called Luz del Mundo. There's a divided loyalty where they're saying, no, yes, we're committed to God, but we're also committed to our apostle. We're, a, we're, we're committed to this man. So there's this the divided loyalty of yes to Jesus, but yes, this man is very important. False teaching. So we have to be aware of different false teaching that's out there. And Paul was amazed of how they were easily fooled by these people, by these false teachers. Trusting in our opinions or others and uh, will forfeit blessings for a curse. A false teacher will be cursed as well, the scripture says. There are false religions, such as the Mormons, and even the Muslims claim that an angel gave them a message Gave the prophet Muhammad a message. The angel gave Joseph Smith a message. But it was not consistent with what the word of God says. But Paul says, even if an angel, look at verse 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Eternal damnation. To whoever that is. Is this going on today by any chance? What do you think? You think people are being deceived? Yes, they are. And why do people so easily get deceived? They're not focusing on what God's word says. Or they're leaning on our own, their own understanding like, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, I will accept that before... I really look and see what God's word has to say about this. And they start leaning on their own understanding instead of what God's word actually says. Ministers cannot be man-pleasers and God-pleasers at the same time. So this happens, too, where a preacher will tell people what they want to hear. and They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So let me present a message that sounds good. You're going to see this. There was a big preacher in the, in the United States not long ago where he had to apologize to the whole congregation because they invited him on a late night show. They asked him specifically, are you saying to me that Jesus is the only way? He is the way, the truth, and the life? What about Buddhists? What about Hindus? What, I mean, is this the only way? And instead of the preacher saying, yes, Jesus said, I am the way, he compromised his message. He became a man-pleaser instead of a God-pleaser. And he had to apologize to his congregation. Keep praying for preachers and pastors to stand true to God's word. Amen? Very, very important for us to be in prayer about that. I don't know if it's the battery or what, guys. But this is not changing. It's not cooperating with me. So, thank you. Verse 13 to 17. Let's read that verse, th yes. Verse 13 to 17. For you have heard of my conversation in time past. You've heard what I've said in, in, in time past. 
in the, in the Jews' uh, religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and, and wasted it and profited in the Jews' uh, religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. He's, he's, he's explaining to them what he was like before he got converted to Christ. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Uh, he, he said, I did not go to man for their opinion. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which, uh, which were uh, apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. He gave his testimony. He says, you know what I was like before, but now I have some spiritual fruit. Are you able to share with someone about what you were like before you received Christ and how you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior? That's an important question to ask. Is there a time before you accepted Christ, you might say, well, I never killed anybody. I never got drunk. I lied twice to my mother in all my life. I mean, was I really a bad, bad sinner? But if you can't say, well, before I accepted Christ, I had a lot of fear. This is my testimony. I had a lot of fear of death, but Jesus took that away. I was totally out of control, bad habits. Jesus helped me to have self-control. Now I have hope for this life and for when this life is over. Whatever your little testimony is, maybe you weren't sure if you're forgiven. Now you know you're forgiven. Now you know you're going to heaven. Now you have peace. Is there some sort of before and after? Paul shared his story right here. He says, you know what I was like before, and now I have met Jesus. I was giving the church a hard time. I was trying to destroy the sheep, and now I'm feeding the sheep. Do you have a story that you can tell someone? Because if not, the Lord wants you to have fruit on your tree. He wants you to be rooted and grounded in him. Amen? He wants to have a relationship with you. This gives an indication if there have been any fruits of repentance. Maybe you have not yet turned from your sin and turned to Christ for salvation. So as we close, look at this. Fellowship with believers. Fellowship with believers. Starting at verse 18 to the end of the chapter. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles, I didn't see any of them except for James, the brother of Jesus. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I'm not lying to you. Verse 21. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Verse 23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once 
he destroyed. And they glorified God in me. They glorified the God that changed Paul's life. Fellowship with other believers. So he began to hang out with Peter and James after some time. And he actually went, do you remember the story about Ananias who, Ananias who uh, was afraid to go to Paul? But he started to connect with these other believers. He started to connect with them. Some of them not immediately because they were probably still trying to kill him. Or some of them were very angry that, that he put their brother in jail. Or very angry that he stood there to give approval for Stephen's death. So he was a little hesitant. You would be too. Because they were, they were thinking, wow, this guy, he murdered my family member. He was staying distant. But then he began to connect with other believers. As you connect with other believers, you can grow stronger by hearing their testimonies. And your testimony can cause others to glorify God. We've got to turn to this before we close. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, I will, I will go back. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Paul surrounded himself with other believing Christians. Other believing Christians. Peter was one of them. But look at what verse 33 says. Look at this, look at this. Don't be deceived. Very important. I want you all to listen to this, adults and youth. Very important. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. I mentioned the Krispy Kreme donut earlier, right? Some of you are still thinking about that, and you're totally distracted from this message right now. Don't be distracted. Hot coffee. Stop thinking about it. Stop. Oh, yeah. I like the one with the raspberry. Um, okay, okay, okay. So, you got this donut. Smells nice and everything. But if you take that donut and you put it in a garbage heap, after a while, that same donut will smell like the garbage. It'll take on that odor. If these are the type of friends you're around, if you're gathering around these type of people, if those are your best friends, if your best friends that you have lunch with every day and you talk to on the phone, if these are the people that are influencing you, it will corrupt you. Make sure if you're calling somebody for prayer, for advice, it's somebody who has a connection with Jesus. Somebody say amen. It's very, very important. If you want to be fruitful. If somebody has love, joy, and peace that comes from Jesus, it can become contagious. They can show you and help you in how to become more joyful, more loving, because they're abiding, depending on Christ Every day, bad company corrupts good morals. My best friends are guys who can pray for me, encourage me. And you know what else? I mentioned Paul and Peter a little earlier. Paul not only spent time with Peter, Paul had to correct Peter one day. Because Peter was refusing to eat with the Gentiles. Peter was still struggling. Yes, he had the Holy Spirit, but he wasn't walking in the Spirit all the time. He became a man pleaser, and Paul had to go directly to Peter and say, Peter, that's wrong. And he corrected him in front of everybody. A real friend 
will correct us. If we're not doing what's right. That's how you know who your real friends are. If you're doing something wrong and they don't say anything to you, they're not a good friend. Bad company corrupts good morals. They see you stealing and they're not going to say, that's wrong, bro. Come on, what are you doing? They see you disrespecting your mother. They see you disrespecting your father and they don't correct you. That's not a real friend. They see you disrespecting your husband and nobody pulls you aside and says, come on, the word of God says. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's right there in 1 Corinthians. Um, this very interesting. God can use your testimony to draw others to himself. Let's bow our heads. Lord, you're teaching us how to be fruitful. We don't want to push you aside and grab a Krispy Kreme donut or hold on to the wrong thing to keep us above water. It sounds ridiculous that we would do that, but why would we turn from Jesus to go to a girlfriend for security? Why would we turn from Jesus to go to a boyfriend for security? Why would we turn from Jesus and try to obey the Ten Commandments to save us instead of depending on Jesus for salvation and obeying the Ten Commandments because we love Him? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. But Lord, help us to first have that love relationship with you and obey out of gratitude. Not hoping that our good works can save us. That's like depending on a Krispy Kreme donut to hold us afloat above water. We will sink fast. Lord, help us not to turn to anything else but you for security, for love, for joy, for peace. For some of us, we used to be more fruitful. There used to be more love, joy, and peace in our lives, and we went off track. Some of us thought that if we do the right things, we would be happy. But you know, Christianity, Lord, we know it's not about doing before we are depending. Teach us how to depend on you for salvation and do what you say because we love you. Jesus, you said in, in, in your word, it says we love because you first loved us. Some of us are reading the Bible every day and we think this will automatically bring joy to my life. And you're saying, no, depend on me. I'll give you joy. As you read the Bible daily, I'll give you joy. But depend upon me, number one. Some of us think if we go to the prayer room, magical things will happen. Everything will be perfect. But you're telling us depend on you. Not on any ritual. 
personal relationship first. And then we can do those things because we love you. For some of us here, Christianity is boring. Because we're doing all these things, but not really depending upon you as a friend, as a savior. We're not depending upon you as a loving father who takes care of his children. We don't view you in that way. So there's no fruit, there's no love, there's no joy, there's no peace. Help us to be rooted and grounded in your love, depending upon you in a new way. Give us discernment when false teachers are giving us Bible lessons that are not what you have taught us, Lord. It's not what the Bible says. And we know even the devil tried to use Bible verses when he tempted Jesus. Give us discernment to know when it's false teaching. Anything that causes us to depend on anything else or anyone else besides Jesus for salvation, for love, for joy, for peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We know it's false teaching if they're not pointing us to Jesus and Jesus only. Jesus, you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, you said, my peace I give unto you, not like what the world gives. Maybe you need to recommit yourself, even right now, to depend only on Jesus. I have good news for you, brother, sister. You're going to see more fruit by the grace of God come out of your life. The next time you go to the Lord in prayer, you say, Lord, I'm here to pray to you, but I want to depend upon you in a new way. As you're reading the word, you're not just doing it as a routine. You're depending on him to give you wisdom and guidance. about your salvation, please come talk to us. Jesus is the one who died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He showed his love for you. He showed his power. If you put your trust in him only, if you call upon him, you will be saved. And if you are saved, he wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to bear much fruit in your personal life. And others will see the difference. And they're going to say, what must I do to be saved? Father, thank you for this time. Well, I hope that message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www.graceintruthgdl.org. 
And remember, so many are looking for real love and power in this life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you.